just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. This is the Rational Boomer Podcast. Thank you for coming back. Thank you for joining and taking the time to listen. Thank all of you to uh, that took the time to listen to the previous podcast. They're going to be coming fast and furious because with this podcast, it's about what's happening currently. So a lot of the back podcasts don't really have as much clout or as much input because it was about something that was happening at that time. Feel free to go back and check on them. There'll be some valuable information uh, about what's currently going on, but it'll be more resource information than it is what's happening now. And we're going to talk about what's happening now. There's a lot of stuff happening. And I want to remind you that I've always told folks that I want you to interact. I want you to make comments. I want you to ask questions because I want you part of this show. Even if you have uh, an insult or some kind of mean remark, by all means, make it. I've been married 37 years. There's nothing you can say that will make me cry. So feel free to say whatever you'd like. And I happened to get a voicemail message from a young man just this past week. His name is Tyler. Let's listen to that. Hey, Mike, I wanted to reach out after listening to Wednesday's show. You said you weren't sure if young people tune into the show, and I'm here to say we do. I'm 26 myself, and I listen to the Rational Boomer podcast because I learn a lot from experiences, and the topics you cover on a national and regional basis is very relevant to my situation. You said before that you're from Minneapolis, and I'm about eight hours north of you near Winnipeg up in Canada. I'm sure you've been here before. So I wanted to thank you for taking time out of your week to do the show, and I encourage you to keep going. Cheers. Well, thank you very much, Tyler. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen. I appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to make uh, the voicemail message. And uh, it's good to hear, you know. One of the things I've talked about in this podcast, how rational boomers are at an age, as rational as they may be, they're at an age where they're kind of being pushed aside by the younger people. Now, I don't take that personal because I did the same thing when I was your age. It's a natural thing to do to say, okay, you're the old man, you've had your chance, go by the wayside. I did that to my my folks and my grandparents and that sort of thing. It wasn't a mean thing. It wasn't saying, I think you're a horrible person. I was just saying, it's my turn, so just just be quiet. I'm the young guy. I know what's going on. And that's happening now, as you might expect, and that's not a problem. But the fact of the matter is, something I've always said is the, the boomers and the Gen Xers hold a lot more power than some of the previous generations that were in our position. I mean, we are 70 million strong in this country. That's a significant demographic in this country, a significant voting block. Now, unfortunately, not everybody's a rational boomer. Some of those crazy fucks out there that voted for Trump and and are racist and all that stuff still exist. So I'm not suggesting that uh, boomers are all united on what we think and how we think this country should run. Uh, But the whole point of the program is to bring those rational people together and try to get a block of them going to have some power. So maybe it's only 35 million or 40 million or whatever it is, but a block of people of a like mind can have some power. In addition to the numbers 
We also hold most of the wealth in this country. We're at an age where we've saved money, we've got uh, investments, we've had our businesses, we've had some successes, and we've got most of the money. And I think the most important factor here is that we have the experience. Those of us born in the 50s and 60s and maybe even the 70s um, have gone through some shit (laughs) from wars to the entire 60s, civil rights, um, women's rights, all these things. We have a lot of experience with some of the things we are going through today. So it would make sense if you have somebody experiencing um, something today would want to reference somebody who had experience with something similar in the past. Now, I know the young people don't want to do that. They think what we have to say is bullshit. That's why I'm suggesting because we have this wisdom, and if we come together, then then we will have uh, uh, some more power, some more voice. So to have a young man like Tyler actually taking the time to listen to what I have to say or what's going on in this country, I appreciate it immensely. Uh, Tyler, you're 26 years old. My youngest son is 27. I have an older son that's 32. And to be perfectly honest with you, I think they do listen to me, but kids never listen to parents. It doesn't matter how old they are. If I was uh, 30 years old or if I'm 60 years old, kids don't listen to their parents. For whatever reason, they discount what parents say. You've probably all gone through this. And I've told my brother that before because they look up to my brother. Well, my brother is my younger brother. I'm as smart or smarter than my brother. My brother's a smart guy. I'll give him that. But I can tell my kids something that may be profound and absolutely true. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's fine. And then we can go to my brother's house, say a family gathering or something, and my brother could say the very same thing. And, uh, and, and they'd look at me and go, my God, that's absolutely true. I can't believe it. That's brilliant. <laughs> and I say, well, I, I told you that, you know, like a month ago. No, you didn't. So, so the point is, is where this information comes from. Young people don't want to hear it out of their parents' mouth because they know them so well and they don't think they know anything. Okay, cool. Well, then you can come to the Rational Boomer Show, hear what I have to say, hear what some of the other people who listen to the program say, and then maybe, maybe we can have some input with these folks and actually break through that that wall that they normally put up. So, Tyler, thank you very much for listening. I appreciate it. I hope you'll continue to listen. I hope you'll have a point where you learn some things that help you in the future. I hope maybe you'll be able to encourage some other younger folks to listen to. Um, and 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 uh, you're doing the right thing. I've told my kids this many times. I've said it here on the podcast. Do not take advice from anybody. Tyler, do not take advice from me. What you need to do is take in as much information. That means listen to everybody. Take that information into your head. You're smart people. Once you have all that information, now you can make the best choice for you. You can create your own beliefs based on all the things you know. The problem we have in this country, people get information from select places. We got the Trumplicants getting all their information from Fox News or OAN, and we've got the liberals getting it only from CNN or MSNBC. 
Now, MSNBC and CNN are better than Fox and OAN. I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. But you've got to get the whole picture. You've got to get the whole picture so that you can make your decision. And that's really the most important thing as you go on in life is to be able to be informed, make your own decisions. That's the whole point why I do the podcast. I do the podcast because I worked in radio 40 years. This is very comfortable for me. This is a format that works for me. Now, I've been doing the TikToks a lot, and that's a little different. I never spend a lot of time on screen, and if you've seen my TikToks, you know why. I don't exactly have a face for video. But that was the only option to reach as many people as I was able to reach and then ultimately start the podcast so that we had more of a base coming over to listen to the podcast. That was my strategy. That's why I did it. I'm going to continue doing the TikToks because I like doing it. But it was initially intended to get attention so that I could get more people listening to the podcast. This is where I feel comfortable. I don't have any time limitations. I don't have any people telling me what I can and can't say because, frankly, on TikTok, you kind of do. It's their show. They can decide. But the podcast is mine, so I can choose what I want to talk about. And uh, nobody can come in and say, oh, I don't like that. He's a bully, and push a button and have it taken down. That can't happen. I mean, there are some limitations to what I could say. If we create a hubbub and uh, my uh, provider says, oh, man, you can't do that, I, I suppose there could be a problem. But the, the, the flexibility and the freedom is much wider here. So that's why I want to do the podcast. But, Tyler, don't take advice from me. Listen. Listen to everybody. Listen to the people that are crazy, too. Put that all in your brain. You're a smart man, as many of the millennials are, and, and uh, make your decisions for yourself. Make the best decisions. Don't make slanted decisions based on one group of people telling you the whole story because they're not telling you the whole story. So anyway, I wanted to talk about bullying as it relates to this country, because there's a lot to talk about when it comes to bullying. The problem with bullying is, well, I don't know if this is in the Bible or not, but this word's in the Bible. I believe violence begets violence. I think you should avoid violence at all costs. I told my kids when, I, when they were growing up, I said, look, you want to fight? I've been in many fights when I was a young man. That was the era. That was where I grew up, and you had to fight. But let me tell you something. <laughs> Pick and choose who you fight. My kids said, you never lost a fight in school. I said, I never lost a fight in school. Not once have I lost a fight in school. And my kids said, you must have been pretty tough. I said, well, I don't know if I was tough, but I was smart. And they said, what do you mean? I said, if I saw somebody that I knew could kick my ass, I made friends with that dude quickly. I'm not going to go into something where I know I'm going to get my butt kicked. There was always that crazy kid that said, I don't care if I get my ass kicked. <laughs> I'll fight you anywhere. Well, I wasn't like that. I'm not going to fight somebody I know who can kick my ass. It's just not going to happen. But sometimes, sometimes with violence directed at you, sometimes the last resort is violence. I'll tell you a story, and then I'll explain how this relates to the world, to the country. I was in junior high school. I was in eighth grade. I was playing some sports. I wasn't the kid that was picked on. I was kind of in the middle there. I was a 
underclassmen at eighth grade because we had ninth graders in the school. And a lot of the ninth graders were a little rough around the edges doing drugs and all this kind of stuff. And they liked to pick on the younger kids. You know, stupid stuff like you'd be walking upstairs with your books in your hand. They'd knock the books out. They'd slide down the steps and they'd laugh at you. Or they might shove you in the hall. Or they might call you names. Or they might try to embarrass you or those sorts of things. And that happens and there's really not much you can do about it. Generally, these upperclassmen, because there's a big transition when you go from 8th to ninth grade, you all of a sudden get bigger and start looking more like a man than you did a kid. It's it's weird. And that happened to me too. But so you'd go through this. That was part of the natural process. Uh, there were some kids that were more picked on than others, uh, but everybody got picked on to a certain extent, even to a small extent. So I'm in this school. It's the school. I, you know, I live in a good part of town, but it was a little weird. I'd sit in the lunchroom and I'd have eighth and ninth graders sitting at the same lunch table. This is the seventies, remember, and. I was a pretty, I, I was a pretty good kid. I never really got into trouble. I was pretty sheltered where I came from. But I'm sitting at this lunchroom in eighth, seventh, and eighth grade, and I'm watching these older kids sit down. And to the lunchroom, they're bringing everything from pot to hash to LSD to things they called window pane or blotter. Um, they had everything at this table. I was exposed to every possible drug that was in existence in my town in that era. And it was weird and it was kind of scary because if you watch TV, Dragnet or whatever, you knew how bad drugs were and you knew that as soon as you took a drug, you were going to go crazy. So I was really scared about that, but I kept my mouth shut and didn't really say much and just pushed my way through it as we all did. But one day I had this, I had this uh, bully, and I don't even know why he bullied me. He's a ninth grader. He was kind of a tall, thin kid. He wasn't one of the tough guys in the school by any means. So apparently he was trying to upgrade his image. So he started picking on me. And it started the same way that all things started. You'd walk down the hallway. He'd say some shit to you. He'd knock your books out of your hands. He'd laugh at you. Then later on, he would walk along and he'd push you or shove you in, into the lockers and he'd laugh at you and call you names and things like that. And that's tough to take because at that time I was a little more timid than I ultimately ended up being. But, but I still said to myself, look, if I fight this guy, I, I may get my ass kicked. I had a little reputation as an eighth grader and I didn't want to ruin the reputation and I didn't want to... Uh, risk getting my ass kicked. I mean, that's the thing that people fear the most is the unknown. If you walk into something and you don't know what's going to happen, you're probably going to shy away from it. And as most of the underclassmen did, and I did when this was going on, you just kind of took it and moved on. Well, one day I'm walking down the hallway, minding my own affairs, maybe with a friend or two. This kid walks up to me, says some shit to me, winds up and gives me a right cross on the jaw. Now, that shit hurt. He didn't knock me down. He wasn't big and strong enough to do that. But he did hit me in the jaw, and I'm thinking, what can I do? And at that moment, I did absolutely nothing because I was shocked. I wasn't really hurt, but it didn't feel good. 
and I didn't know what to do. He has a couple friends with him. I have a couple friends with me. But these eighth graders aren't going to beat up these ninth graders. There's no way that's going to happen. And the two buddies, <laughs> they don't have any courage. They ain't jumping into this. So I kind of took it, and I walked along. I sat in class that day, and I said to myself, Jesus Christ, this has got to stop. He pushes me, he knocks my books out of my hand. Now he punches in me in the face. What's next? It can only get worse. Now, you have to understand, if I went home and told my dad about this, he would probably kick my ass for not kicking that kid's ass immediately. All he would tell me is, go back and kick that guy's ass. So I could go back and talk to my mom. My mom was cool. She was against violence and all that sort of thing. I could try to talk it out with her, but she would just talk me out of it, and I'd still go through what I went through. I knew I had to do something here. I knew I had to make a stand somehow. So I went home, and before I left for school the next morning, I said, Mom, here's the deal. I'm going to get in a fight today. You're going to get a call. The only reason I'm fighting this kid is because he's older and he's been bullying me. And she said, no, don't get in a fight. I said, Mom, I got to. I'm going to get in a fight. Just know that. And I left. Now, I was fortunate with the mom that kind of gave me a lot of room, a lot of flexibility in everything I did which taught me a lot of things. It got me in trouble, too, but it taught me a lot of things. But because I knew there would be some consequences back in my home, I kind of limited how crazy I got. But this situation, I knew I had to deal with. So, anyway, I get to school, and I decide, I'm going to fight this guy. But normally a fight would take place on the school property outside. You tell everybody, and uh, they'd all show up outside to form a big circle, and you'd fight this guy in the middle. Now, the problem with that, the problem with that is, is now everybody's set. You got all these people watching. If I fight this kid, my whatever limited image I have is on the line. And an image is important. And I'll tell you why the image in school is important. If people perceive you as tough or strong or whatever, they're more likely to not bug you, at least people in your own grade. Once they see you get your ass kicked, then everybody's going to jump in and start giving you shit. So your image is kind of important at that point in time, in the 70s, in my school. And I wasn't sure if this kid could kick my ass. I mean, I was a pretty strong kid. I wrestled, I played football, all that stuff. But I was younger than he was. I was smaller than he was. And I wasn't sure how this was going to go on. And as like, and as I said, people are most fearful of the unknown. So this was a big unknown to me. So as a young kid, I sat and I rationalized this out. I said, how am I going to do this without getting killed? Now, maybe I would have kicked his ass, but... I didn't know, so I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. This is what I rationalized out. I'm going to approach him in lunch. A lot of people in there. There are aides all over the place in this. I'm going to approach him. I'm going to provoke him. And when he stands up, I'm going to hit him about three or four times. And then somebody's going to break it up because there's just too many people. The upside is if I get a couple good punches in, And uh, then it gets broken up. The perception is I won that fight and all my friends are around. So that's going to play good for me. Now, if I stand up 
or he stands up and I punch him and he punched me back and we get our ass kicked, I get my ass kicked, then then that doesn't go so well for me. I'm probably going to continue to get bullied and I'm not going to look too good at my peers. I'm going to look stupid. I had to take that risk. Either that or I was going to get punched in the jaw every day and I just was not going to do that. So I had a little girlfriend. I had some friends around. I took my wallet out of my pocket and I said, hold on to this for me. I had a wallet in eighth grade, probably three bucks in there. But anyway, um, I walk over to the kid and he's sitting at a table and uh, uh, with three of his friends. Now, again, I don't know if the three friends are going to jump in, but I'm in a place where it's probably going to get broken up pretty quickly. So I took the risk. I walk over to him. And this is a different scenario for him because he's sitting down. I'm standing up and I said, look, motherfucker, I'm tired of your bullshit. Let's go. And he looks at me kind of amazed and surprised and a little afraid because he's getting called out in front of all his friends, too. He's drinking some milk and he won't do anything. I said, come on. And he's going, I'm not fighting you here. I said, yeah, you fucking are fighting me here. And uh, he wouldn't move. So I pushed him a little bit, not hard, but he started to stand up and I pushed him again. He spilled his milk all over him. He stood up and looked tough at me. That's what people do all the time. They look tough at you. They don't act because they're afraid. Now he's afraid of the unknown. He doesn't know why I'm having the courage to do this to him and he doesn't know what I'm going to do. So he stands up, spills the milk all over him and he is pissed. So I think this is my shot. I hit him about three or four times in the face. You know, I'm eighth grade. I probably didn't do a lot of damage, but I shook him up. And since I'm a wrestler, I decide, okay, this is going to get broken up, but I need to look strong here and I need to make sure he can't hit me. So I grabbed him around the waist face to face and I picked him up and was going to throw him down on the ground. Unfortunately, what happened was all the aides, they're all young guys in their 20s, come running toward this fight. One guy jumps on that guy's back. So now, of course, I'm supporting the kid and this 20-year-old kid, and I fall back on my back with these two on top of me. Well, they break it up. The, the, they pull us apart. I got three or four punches in. This kid didn't get one punch in. His face looks a little beat up. I look fine. And they bring us down to the, <laughs> they bring us down to the uh, principal's office. They put us in separate rooms. They talk to us separately. Uh, I'm sure they had some uh, past experience with this kid because that's the kind of kid he was. But the principal brings me in the office, and uh, he sits me down. He's very stern with me. He said, you know there's no fighting in this school. I go, I know, but you got to understand, this guy's been picking on me. He goes, I don't care what happens. I don't care what this kid was doing. You don't fight under any circumstances. I said, agree to disagree. <laughs> and he looked at me like, you're a smart ass. He says, I'm calling your mom. <laughs> so he does that. He picks up the phone, calls my mom. I only hear one side of the conversation, but I know exactly how the conversation is going. I know what I told my mom, and I know how my mom is. My mom, nice, sweet, very feminine woman, but... When it came to her kids, she could get a little gangster. <laughs> so the principal calls my mom and said, Mrs. Marn, I 
want to inform you that your son was in a fight today. And my mom, having talked to me earlier that morning, says, yeah, I know. He goes, how do you know? And she says, because he told me before he left. And he says to her, he told you he was going to fight? And you let him come to school and fight? What are you doing? And my mom said, she never swore. She said, wait a fucking minute. This kid has been bullied by the other kid for the whole year. The last straw was the kid punched him in the face, and my son thought he needed to do something. And you people at the school have done nothing. So, yeah, he got in a fight. I hope he won. And uh, that's the end of it. You're not going to punish this kid. You're not going to do anything to him because he was just trying to maintain survival in the hellhole you call a school. Now, the school wasn't really a hellhole, but that's how my mom would have talked to him. He hangs up the phone. He looks at me kind of aghast. And he said, has this kid been picking on you all year? I said, absolutely. He said, did the kid punch you in the face? I said, he did. He said, all right. Now, he doesn't want to lose his authority here. So he says, what I want you to do is I want you to go home. You're not suspended, but you go home, cool off, come back tomorrow, and let's keep things moving the way they should be moving. No more fighting. I said, cool. Picked up my stuff, went home. Turns out they brought the other kid in, knowing what they know now, ran him through the uh, ringer. They suspended him for three days. But uh, he also had to apologize to me. (laughs) Imagine that. I went in. I started the fight technically. And when it was all said and done, I got to go home free and clear. And he had to apologize to me. That was the right way it should have ended in the first place. But I had to take the step. I had to actually resort to violence in order to get this thing resolved. Now, how does this impact our country, this notion? How does it impact our country and the world for that matter? I will talk about that in about 30 seconds, so hang with me. So you're probably asking yourself, what does Mike being bullied in eighth grade have to do with anything in this country, or in this world for that matter? And it has a lot to do with it, because we as a country, and Democrats as a party, have to have the mindset I had when I was in eighth grade, and that is, enough is enough. We know the Republicans, the Trumplicans, have been bullies for decades. We know the Democrats have always cowed away and tried to take the high road and and tried not to uh, engage in some of this meanness. Even after they've been treated mean, they don't give it back to them, and the Republicans know this. So they're the bullies. They keep getting away with bullying Democrats and this country, for that matter. And as long as they continue to keep getting away with it, they are going to keep doing it. So the important thing is we are at that point when enough is enough. We are at that point when it's starting to get dangerous. Like me getting hit in the jaw, this country is going to take its toll from the damage that these idiots have wrought on us and this country. So we need to look at it as a bully situation. 
these are bullies. Now, what do we do? We've done everything we could to turn the other cheek. That has not worked. So now we have to resort to something else. And sometimes when it comes to bullies, the only thing they understand is getting slapped in the snout. Now, remember, as I told you, you do that to a bully, they typically run away because they're cowards. The Republicans are cowards. All these Trumplicans are cowards. Donald Trump himself is the biggest coward of them all. So we've tried to be nice. We've tried to keep doing things like we do and trying to be civil about it. But unfortunately, it hasn't worked. We still have 35% of the country that still want to cause an insurrection. We still have the Republican Party too afraid of those people, so they are going to incorporate their ideas into their platform. So now we've got a Republican Party that's just fucking rogue. They're doing anything. And the reason they're doing it is not because they necessarily, necessarily believe in it. They're doing it because they think that's the only way they're going to get votes and be able to maintain power. None of this has anything to do with serving America and serving its citizens. But that's their mindset. They're in the bully mindset. So what do we do? Well, we've got a lot of things happening in this country. You see, the Democrats have power technically. But they're still playing like the victim or playing like the bullied or put upon. And you can't do that. Once you have a certain amount of power, you've got to exert it. Be fair, be nice, be legal. But you've got to exert some of that power in order to shut it down, not only for now, but for the future. What the Democrats do today what the people in America do today will impact the future because even if this bully ends up fading away a little bit, somebody else is going to say, that shit worked, so now I'm going to do the same thing, and now we've got a new bully to deal with. We can't afford that. The last four years has been incredibly fucked up and hurt this country, so we can't afford to have that come back. So now the Democrats and we Americans have to be strong about it, not only to stop them now, but to stop them in the future. And we've got a lot of things going on. I mean, think about the insurrection. That was the ultimate in bullying tactic. They come and charge the U.S. Capitol. What happens? Do they find any kind of pushback? Do they find anybody trying to fight back? Not really. First of all, there's not enough police officers. There is no National Guard, probably due to Donald Trump keeping them out of the mess. They charge the U.S. Capitol. They break shit. They steal stuff. They hurt people. They kill people. They shit and piss in the U.S. Capitol. And what has happened? Nothing has happened at that moment in time. Now, there are people being prosecuted, four to 500 people being prosecuted. That will ensure that those people will never do this again. But there's, as I said, 30, 35% of these fucking clowns out here that are ready to fight. They believe what they believe, and they're going to fight to the death because they think that makes them patriots. And what that makes them really is dangerous. They're brainwashed, and they think they're fighting against their very existence. So they're going to take chances again. We've been hearing about July 4th, and July 4th is a likely prospect for when something's going to happen because it's Independence Day. These guys think they're patriots. They would think this is the ultimate goal to do something on July 4th. And now we're also hearing that Donald Trump's going to be in, back in office in August somehow. That's not going to happen. 
that can't constitutionally happen. There is no way that's going to happen. You can have all the fucking audits you want, but the vote has been certified. Biden is president for four years. That's it. It's done. Nobody can argue that. Nobody can change that. But if they're going to round a bunch of clowns up again and attack something, the U.S. Capitol or whatever, and they're going to cause problems like they did at the insurrection, we need to react to this a little differently. We need to be stronger about this. Show them the force of power so they realize they're not the tough guys anymore. They're out of power. They can't do this bullying shit anymore, and it's going to fucking stop. Now, in addition to what might happen on July 4th, we also have uh, Donald Trump's daughter-in-law going out there and saying, you people on the southern border, you need to arm up, get your guns, prepare to take matters into your own hands against the immigrants. What she's saying there is all you fucking clowns, all you Trumplicans, grab your bird guns or your squirrel guns or whatever, go down to the border and start shooting immigrants. Well, that's a bridge too far as far as I'm concerned. You can't say that. Well, technically you can say that because she did. But what people fail to remember is, yes, you can say whatever you want, but that does not mean you can't have some consequences for the shit you say. You can't be in a movie theater and yell fire if there's no fire. You're going to get in trouble. And the same goes for Laura Trump here Uh, In this situation, if there's another attack on something, we need the National Guard there. On the southern border, we have the, uh, the border officials. They're armed. And if these people come charging at fucking anything, there needs to be a way to stop them. Now, if these people are armed, theoretically, the border guard should be able to shoot back or at least stop them with a gun. I mean, if... If somebody walks into your house with a gun, says he's going to kill somebody, you have the right to shoot them. That's the law. You have a right to protect your people or your property. Now, if these people show up at the border with guns and they're going to start shooting people, which in fact is murder, and these border guard are essentially law enforcement officers, they have one choice. They need to stop them. In any way, they need to stop them. But we need to stop them. We can't let them crowd around at the border taking pot shots because that's allowing a bully to be a bully. We can't do that. If they're going to attack the U.S. Capitol or some other place, we need the National Guard there yesterday and ready to fight back. Because even though these are citizens of America, this is a terrorist act on our grounds, on our country. And regardless of who's carrying the guns or regardless of who's doing the damage, they are an enemy of this country. If they are an enemy of this country, they need to be handled properly. Now, whether whether that means shooting tear gas at them and dispersing them, or if they keep coming, if you actually have to shoot them, unfortunately, that's the job. And until something like that happens, these people are going to continue to think that they have power, that they can do this bullshit and get away with it. So we need to be stronger here. We need to be stronger on a political level, too. And I'm glad to see the Democrats are looking to do that. We've got uh, 
a DOJ under Donald Trump with William Barr and Jeff Sessions as attorney generals running roughshod in this country, not serving the citizens or this country like they were supposed to. They were, in fact, working as hired guns for Donald Trump, which is unethical, illegal, abuse of power. And you can't let that go. We're hearing more about the abuse of power that Donald Trump utilized through the DOJ, investigating people in the press, investigating sitting members of Congress. That can't stand. Because, you see, you have to understand, if we allow that to go, that opens the door for every future president, Democrat or Republican. And trust me, if they think they can get away with it from either party, they are going to fucking do it. So that has to be dealt with. There has to be punishment, and it has to be stopped if we don't want to live through this for the remainder of our lives. So now what they're doing, um, Democrats in Congress are saying, we need Jeff Sessions and William Barr to testify. Now, these fuckheads literally lied to Congress. That's illegal. You can go to jail for that shit. They need to testify again. They don't have power. They don't have a president anymore, so they better fucking tell the truth or they're going to jail. And if they tell the truth, it's going to expose a lot of shit. But this is where the Democrats have to be tough on that level. They got to put them in those seats, press them to the wall, and get everything out of them. And when they do, they need to take action against whoever, whatever was illegal during their term. If we don't, again, that just opens the door and makes it easy for any president to do the exact same thing. And trust me, any president, whether they be Democrat or Republican, they will rationalize out why they have to do something, and they will do it. And that's the demise of this country. That's the demise of democracy. So this is why we have to be strong at this point. We can't let a wild mob attack the U.S. Capitol or any place else. We can't let a wild mob go to the border and start shooting people. If it takes going to war with these people, literal war where they're shooting and fighting, that has to be done. And it's unfortunate. It's sad that we would have to fight against people in our own country. But that's the mindset of the Trumplicans. We're going to fight back. We won't have a country. We don't do this, and the world is going to fall apart. They believe that because they only get their information from certain areas. They don't get it from everywhere else. They don't have the facts. Like I said in the beginning of the program, get all the facts in your head, then make decisions on your own. They don't have all the facts. They only have the facts that people want them to know. And that's causing them to be angry, causing them to be frightened, and causing them to attack. So if we can't educate these people, and clearly we can't because they don't want to listen, then when they do these bad acts, we need to make them pay a price. If you storm the U.S. Capitol, chances are you're going to get shot by a National Guard member. It's like when you're on the streets. If you're on the streets and uh, a cop is in front of you, you pull a gun out, chances are you're going to get shot, and it's justified. That's the way you handle things. And the Democrats and uh, America has, hasn't done this with these people because we've never had to do it before. 
It's kind of foreign to us. But it's simple. It's that bully coming at us. We can either cow and hide and continue to be bullied for the rest of our lives, or we can push back, fight back, and make them afraid because, again, they're cowards. Once you fight back, they're going to run. And that's why it's important we have to be strong now. we got to take Barr and Jeff Sessions to task. Put them on the line. Put them in jail if they lie to Congress. Put everybody in jail they implicate from their testimony. Because they're going to be honest this time. They have no choice. So that's why I brought up the bullying thing. Because you know what happened after I hit that kid in the lunchroom? He got suspended. I got sent home for the day. But then we all had to come back and be around everybody else. But from that day forward, from that day forward, that kid never said a thing to me, never came near me. In fact, he tried to avoid me because he didn't know what the hell I was going to do next. Even though he didn't really know if I could beat him up or not. He knew I punched him four or five times. Now he was uncertain about what I would do. <clears throat> it wasn't about how tough I was. It, it was about what I was willing to do. Because no matter how tough you are, if you're in a fight, if you get punched in the face, if some five-year-old girl punches you in the face, trust me, it fucking hurts. And you don't want that to happen. So now he was afraid. Now he stood, stayed away from me. And not only did he stay away from me, his friends stayed away from me. And all the people who knew me, I gained a little bit of support. Because now they saw me as somebody who was tougher, even though I probably wasn't. But they believed it because that was the perception. And that's what Trumplicans and Republicans are all going on, perception. How is this perception going to affect me? Am I still going to get votes if I tell these guys to fuck off? Probably not. So I better side with them. If our country is going down the tubes, according to Fox News or OAN, we need to fight because we are patriots. That's their perception. But the moment they get pushback, the moment they actually have to fight, the moment that they pay a price for the things they're doing, you can trust that these people will fucking stop doing it. And that's where we're at. It's unfortunate that that's where we're at, but that is where we're at, and that's what we need to do. I'm hoping that Joe Biden, the Democrats, realize this, that we're dealing, we're on the precipice of the loss of democracy. I don't trust the Democrats any more than I trust the Republicans. You get the wrong president in there and believes he can get away with things that Donald Trump did, he's going to do it if he has to, or she he or she could possibly do this. Because once they get to that pinnacle of power, their first thing is to gain their own survival, the survival of their party, getting votes in the future. And if this, if this ploy works for Trumplicans and Donald Trump, then it's going to get repeated. There's no question it's going to get repeated. So we need to shut it down now. This whole country right now is being bullied by a small faction of people and up to now we've allowed them to do it now that's got to stop we got to push back we got to fight back we got to make them pay a price otherwise it will perpetuate this for forever for absolutely forever so anyway (laughs) thanks for joining me don't be bullied out there 
push back, and you'll be surprised what happens. You have a great week. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.